Welcome to the Lemp Report Live. On today's broadcast, Dollar Tree goes eggless. Price Choppers Marketing, Weight Watchers gets into the prescription business, Medicaid addresses food, a high school senior fights waste, and on the bullseye, breakfast before bed. Let's get started. So, Sally, Dollar Tree has decided um, that they're going to stop selling eggs because of the price of eggs. Yes, and you know it's it's quite a time to stop selling eggs with um, with Easter uh, right around the corner, and we know that that's a really popular time for people to be buying eggs. But because the cost of the eggs has increased sixty percent, um, that they're going to pause on selling eggs um, until later in the year. But here's what I don't understand this, with this whole avian flu. And eggs are now, on average, about $5 a dozen. Um, they were about a year and a half ago, about a buck ninety-nine. In some cases here in Los Angeles, they're actually $7 a dozen. But here's what I don't understand. Um, the, the bird flu started January of 2022. Um, so we're now a year and, and three months into it. It only takes 18 weeks uh, for a hen to be born and start laying eggs. So I don't get it. Why why don't we have all all these eggs um, and and not have these issues? Um, so Dollar Tree, you know, they're they're on a rapid tear uh, growing. And, and I think that this is probably more of a PR stunt than anything else. Um, also on Food News Today, um, there's a story. Just go to supermarketguru.com, Food News Today tab that basically um, talks about the fact that RFID tags for livestock management will grow uh, almost 10 percent between 2022 and 2027. A lot of that is with cattle, uh, but also with poultry. So I think that, you know, what we're really seeing is farmers struggling uh, for animal uh, animals, whether it's cows for for beef or whether it's eggs. And I just don't understand why we have this issue. Um, again, 18 weeks to grow a hen uh, to start to lay eggs. And we're now, you know, uh, 65 weeks into it. Where's all the chickens? Well, yes. And one thing that we're hearing about the business of raising chickens is that, you know, we have so many, many chickens being raised, but we only have a few people actually managing large amounts of animals. And so the, 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 the point of radio frequency identification tags would um, to would be to help them manage the wellness of these animals um, easier with these tags is I, I believe the goal with this. Yeah, I I'm just really concerned, and I think that to be honest with you, there's a little price gouging going on here. You know, we've seen it with major food companies, and now I think we're seeing it with egg producers. Um, so. Let's move to Price Chopper. Price Chopper has decided um, to, in, in you know, for Frozen Food Month, create a new game called Daily Surprise. Um, you register on their website or on their app. You can spin a wheel and get gift cards, magazine subscriptions. Do, does anybody get magazine subscriptions anymore? I don't know. 
donations to charities. Um, you enter their sweepstakes. And what they're saying is that it increased sales when they did this test, not for Frozen Food Month, uh, but they did it for eight weeks um, last year. And what I guess is really surprising to me, uh, basically the way you play the game is you wipe away the digital condensation from a freezer window. <laughs> Are, is, is gamification getting that lame? <laughs> well, one thing we do know is that people do love to play games online. And so um, so it isn't surprising that someone might want to engage, engage in a game like this, especially if they can get rewards from it, if they can, you know, win digital coupons, if they can um, uh, add more reward loyalty points to their card um, for benefits. Uh, it's It does make sense to me that they would want to do it. But, but the great thing for price chopper is that they're getting people to register their information to sign up and then they're seeing that translate to more sales in the store yeah and price chopper yeah i've got to tell you i i love that chain uh they really do a good job but i just don't get the condensation on on the uh freezer door that to me is weird um, so Weight Watchers, um, you know, especially since Oprah has become one of their major stockholders, has really gone through the roof, um, which is wonderful. Um, however, you know, I'm concerned that what they're doing now, there's this great article in The Guardian, uh, Susie Orbach wrote it, and um, they've now acquired a company by name of Sequence, which is a U.S. telehealth service that links patients with doctors who can prescribe medications that suppress appetite. Um, you know, we, we've talked before about Ozempic, some of the others um, that I think personally um, are really going to create some serious health problems. Uh, for us in, in the nation. And Weight Watchers, I just don't understand uh, Weight Watchers for years, you know, because of the whole camaraderie. When you went to Weight Watchers, you would weigh in and people would cheer if you lost a quarter of a pound and, you know, and, and so on. And now they're going to prescribe this drug uh, so people can lose 20, 25 pounds. Yes, Sequence is a company that is there for weight loss through um, medications, and they claim that you know that they treat biological factors that um, that affect your weight gain or weight management. And the problem is, is that you know that studies sh are showing us that ninety-seven percent of dieters regain the weight after they've lost it within three years. And that goes for Weight Watchers history too, because this is a calorie restriction based diet, which we have seen um, oftentimes doesn't work in the long run for people. So um, the point that Susie Orbach is making in this, this great article that she's written is that, um, that these companies are signing people up and betting on their failure at these programs because 
because they will continue to subscribe. They will continue to come back and to con continue to try it. Now, I put some thought into it, Phil, and, you know, based on John Pandall's comment last year, weighing in on our Ozempic story and everything, I, you know, I, I don't completely disagree with using a medication to help people um, in extreme cases when they need to, to lose weight. We, we do that with other types of addictive behaviors that people have a hard time quitting. We use medication, but we have to use other methods of teaching people long-term weight management, how to eat, how to use intuitive eating, um, how to be my, how to use mindful eating so that they can keep that weight off and they can be healthy. Yeah. And also let's, let's not forget that, you know, Weight Watchers is banking on the fact that, you know, this medication you've got to take for the rest of your life. Um, so I don't know what a Weight Watchers, you know, session costs anymore. I know it was like five bucks years ago, uh, but it's probably more now. But if you can get somebody hooked on this drug, um, you know, you're going to have a customer for life or they're going to gain weight and can't go to Weight Watchers anymore. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, the, their whole approach to this, I think, is really um, in contrast to what um, the founder, uh, uh, forgot her name, uh, but the founder of Weight Watchers had, which was more collaboration, more, you know, uh, Gene Nadick, um is the one who started Weight Watchers. And I think that she's probably turning over in her grave um, as she, you know, hears us talking about this. Um, so Medicaid has finally uh, woken up and decided that, you know, if you have a waiver um, to get food in pilot programs, um, you're actually going to be able to feed a lot of people more healthy foods. And I applaud uh, what they've done. Um, so, so far, you've got Arkansas, Oregon, and Massachusetts um, who have done this Medicaid for groceries. And now, New Mexico, Washington, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, and Maine um, are getting waiver requests that give money for nutrition support. See, I think that this is a great way uh, to change behaviors and, you know, combat obesity. Yes, I think this is wonderful. And yes, seeing New Mexico, Washington, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, and Maine um, joining those other states that are already doing this is great. And hopefully we'll see more. We are seeing a lot of studies coming out right now showing that, you know, that that if we help with food security um, and provide help people gain access to fresh, nutritious foods, um, that our health care costs go down. In fact, there's a study recently that um, that we've talked about, Phil, about diabetics and about how, you know, if they are provided with a box of fresh food each week that they can, you know, consume healthily, that their, um, their medication costs are actually going down. Yeah, it's, it's a great step in the right direction and changing behavior. Um, talking about changing behavior, um, FMI, the Food Industry Association, last week had a press briefing where they talked about um, what grocers can expect uh, in inflation and food prices in 2023. And basically, um, Andy Harrig, uh, FMI's vice president of tax, trade and sustainability, led the the press briefing and basically said that, you know, inflation is going to remain on food prices this year. 
Um, and maybe next year they'll finally come down. But even though we've seen prices decrease, it takes a while to get into the food system. So if your price of soy and, and wheat goes down, by the time that feed gets to the cows and the, and the poultry and so on, could take a while. So, you know, uh, Ricky Volpe, um, who's an associate professor at agribusiness at Cal Poly, um, great guy, really smart, said, you know, we're not going to hit it this year. Uh, maybe next year prices will come down. Uh, FMI also surveyed a bunch of consumers and found that 48% of them in February said they're very concerned about rising food prices. That's up eight percentage points from October. Um, and 43% surveyed also in February said they're worried about having enough money to pay for the food they need, which is up from 35% um, who answered the same question based in October. So we really have a, a conundrum here where consumers are very concerned about the prices of food uh, because of the supply chain. It takes a while to see these prices decrease. And these experts uh, from FMI and, and Volpe are saying not going to happen this year, probably going to happen next year, hopefully. Hopefully so. And you know what else is interesting is seeing um, how shoppers are shifting more and more to private brands. So the retailers are in a great position here um, that have their own brands, you know, to to promote those brands to their shoppers, um, because more and more shoppers are starting to trust those brands and think that they are of equal quality of the brands that they have, have bought historically. Absolutely. And, you know, there's I, I guess um, it was Loblaws who started it with President's Choice um, many years ago that really upped the quality of store brands to exceed um, the national brands. Um, I'll never forget Dave Nichols, who was at that point the CEO of, uh, of Loblaws. Uh, his favorite product was their chocolate chip cookie. And what they did is they looked at the number one brand of chocolate chip cookies, and I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but let's say each cookie had 10 chocolate chips in it. Well, he said, we're going to put in 15, you know, just to, to make it better. And it really worked uh, very, very well. So, you know, good, good for all these store brands that are really upping the game as it relates to quality. You look at Aldi, you look at Trader Joe's, you look at, you know, a lot of the Kroger products. Um, they've really done a great job and there's no reason why consumers shouldn't try, you know, store brands. I know that, that the brands who are watching us and listening to us don't want to hear that. Uh, but the reality is that there's been more innovation on private brands than there has been in a lot of the national brands that are just going for brand extensions, and they're really not being very innovative. So, you know, talking about innovation, um, this past week on Lost in the Supermarket, um, I spoke to a high school senior who really wants to change the way people uh, think about food um, in the communities that, that she's in. And this person is one of the people to watch 
because she's going to change the world, the food world uh, for us. She also um, is, a, is a coding expert. So everything that she built um, on the website and the app, she did herself. Um, so for the full episode, just go to supermarketguru.com. Click on the Lost in the Supermarket tab on the top. But here's a little bit of what she had to say. You're a high school student. Um, you obviously have eaten out a lot. Um, what what gave you the passion to help these restaurateurs? Yeah, I think it really started in March of 2020. So, you know, we saw a lot of these local restaurants really struggling, a lot of them having to close down and switching out to only take out. And so being someone who's a foodie and who loves supporting local businesses, it's restaurants, I would try to think about what I could do. And I had a little bit of computer science experience at the time. And I also had a lot of free time on my hands. So with that, I started drafting up some ideas and ways to help. And Bellevue Bites somehow came to light from, from that drafting and from just brainstorming up ways to help. On today's bullseye, cereal isn't just for breakfast anymore. Post-consumer brands, the cereal company known for Raisin Bran, Honey Made S'mores, Grape Nuts, and Fruity Pebbles, has now introduced a new line of cereals that it wants you to include in your nightly sleep routine. It's called Sweet Dreams, a, quote, fourth meal of the day, unquote, concept that is the cereal of crunchy flakes and almonds, it's available in two flavors, Blueberry Midnight and Honey Moonglow, who comes up with these names. And according to the company, it's a nighttime herbal blend of lavender and chamomile and curated vitamins and minerals, including zinc, folic acid, and B vitamins to support natural melatonin production. Sweet Dreams Honey Moonglow cereal has 240 calories, 6 grams of fat, 180 milligrams of sodium, 43 grams of total carbs, and it contains 12 grams of added sugars. And that comes from cane sugar, corn syrup, honey, and molasses. Now, that's before adding milk, which naturally contains 13 grams of sugars in a cup. According to the NIH, National Institutes of Health, added sugars not only negatively affects health and life quality, but their published study, Relationship Between Added Sugar Intake and Sleep Quality Among University Students, a cross-sectional study, concluded that poor sleep quality was significantly related to higher added sugar intake. Post says that its goal is to help people establish healthy nighttime habits by providing a nutrient-dense before-bed snack that supports your sleep routine. Seriously? Here's the facts. More than half of all adults in the U.S. experience difficulty in falling asleep. One in five have insomnia. So I guess a brilliant brand manager at Post came up with sweet dreams to boost sales and create this fourth meal of the day concept. And they also ignored the science about added sugars. Now, to be fair, the cereal does contain zinc, which has been shown to improve sleep quality. Sweet Dreams has 50% of the daily value of zinc. That translates to around five to six milligrams of zinc. But in an NIH-published study, sleep improved when the participants consumed 15 milligrams daily for 12 weeks. That's three times as much. The cereal also contains niacin, 
80% of the recommended daily value, but studies show that niacin doses for better sleep range for between 50 to 1,000 milligrams. Sweet Dreams contains about 13 milligrams. Yes, food as medicine is the buzzword of the day, but if in fact it's going to change our health outcomes, it has to be steeped in rigorous and proven science. I do like the fact that the first ingredient is whole grain wheat, and whole grains are linked to better sleep. As far as the claim that Sweet Dreams ingredients support natural melatonin production, that's partly true. Almost all plants, including tomatoes, rice, walnuts, and olives, contain melatonin, and zinc, magnesium, and B vitamins support its production. But to synthesize melatonin, we need tryptophan, an amino acid that's in milk salmon, tuna, nuts, and poultry. So make sure you add milk to your sweet dreams. They'll also taste a hell of a lot better than adding salmon or chicken. Or as the old wive tale goes, maybe just have a glass of warm milk before bedtime. That contains tryptophan, magnesium, calcium, B vitamins, potassium, vitamin D, and melatonin. And do we really need a fourth meal of the day? After all, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports that the percentage of adults over age 20 are obese, are overweight, and at top 73%. According to the 2020-2025 Dietary Guidelines for Americans, added sugars can lead to health problems, including weight gain, obesity, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease. Sugars should be less than 10% of our daily total calories. Listen to that post. The Lemper Report is all about inspiring ideas, making our industry think and challenging each other. Let's think about being the shopper and how we can bring our supermarkets and restaurants closer to meet their needs. I hope you'll come back to join us on next week's installment of Lemper Report Live when we focus on the biggest and best insights and the things that really matter. Be sure to visit supermarketguru.com for the latest marketing analysis, issues, and trends. And don't forget to join us back here next Monday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern for more.